now the podcast starts. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to the podcast where we talk about horror, mostly. Sometimes we talk about other things, and sometimes we swear. We're not really going to be talking about horror this episode. Spoiler. Um, It's going to be a little bit adjacent, but hopefully still very interesting to you. Joining me for this discussion of the new and just announced Oscar-nominated, multiple Oscar-nominated movie from last year, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, is the marvellous Kirsty Warrow. Hello, Kirsty. Hello. Hi, Dan. (laughs) Hello. And... And this, of course, is, uh, as Kirsty just um, indicated, uh, Dan, uh, a.k.a. T.D. Velasquez. Welcome, everybody. Kirsty, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I was just, you know, when you were talking about the Oscar nominations yesterday. Um, yes, was it yesterday? I've forgotten where we are. Because, the week, the, you know, the world feels like everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, <laughs> it, it got 11 nominations, and it leads the pack with 11 nominations. Um which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant that a film like this with the, you know, the kind of, I don't know, <laughs> how do you describe the film? I, yeah, it's, it's difficult to encapsulate, but I was so utterly delighted to hear um, that, you know, it, it's been nominated in all of the kind of categories um, that it has, including, I have to say, I was saying to my husband, I was really surprised that um, the Daniels, uh, the directors of the film got a best director nomination because of their previous work. I wasn't sure the Academy necessarily was going to go for an, uh, you know, a best director nomination for the directors of uh, Swiss Army Man and Guns of <laughs> <laughs> It feels like an unlikely kind of trajectory for them, but I'm delighted that they that yeah the film's done so well. So yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm amazed. Um... You know the Oscars uh, are often given to great movies, but but there's also a very strong tendency that the movies are kind of middle of the road. Um, there needs to be something about them which is kind of easily generalised, has some appeal to everybody um, yeah. in order to get the votes. Um, this movie, I do I do think it has something for everybody, as we'll get into. Um, but it is a very unique piece of work. Um, yes. There yeah. aren't many movies that you can compare it to. Um, and no. it doesn't at all... Um, it doesn't at all have the kind of long-time traditional Oscar movie elements to it. Um, no. I mean, I think that might be a sign that this is changing in recent years. I mean, I'm, I still can't believe that The Shape of Water one best picture a few years ago for instance yeah well, yeah no i mean yeah yeah i suppose i had not then, in that and, term and then parasite yeah. as well you know um yeah well, i haven't seen any be... of those movies so i can't comment on the films okay. themselves but they just don't look to me like okay. the kind well, of thing that you i you can know, it... <laughs> go on then oh, well, because yeah. i have seen them so um right. i mean i think the oscars is you know, has been uh, under pressure, hasn't it, uh, recent years mm. about trying to sort of diversify its nominations, um, particularly in terms of um, race and gender. And that's 
good and right. And we're, you know, they're obviously on a, a journey there. We're not quite there yet. However, um, the shape of water, uh, I'm going to say something controversial now. I thought it was a very, very lovely and charming Jean-Pierre Junot movie. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. Well, it looks like one, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I did, you know, I have a lot of a lot of time for Guillermo del Toro, but it felt kind of didn't quite feel like his work. It felt like, yeah, John Pierce, you know, it felt sort of chocolate boxy, um, with a sort of slightly dark edge, um, and it was very lovely and compelling. But yeah, there's the the, the Oscar movies, don't they? They kind of often have the you know that kind of sort of sense of gentle quality about them. Um, mm. which uh, The Shape of Water definitely had. And Parasite also has. Parasite, I mean, so well done, so well directed, well acted, well played, and kind of goes into unexpected territory. And really, really, both, I mean, both films, I think, are worth your time. Um, mm. But, but the, yeah, they both have that sort of sense of, oh, this is kind of quality, the quality end of genre, if that makes any sense. Um, whereas... Mm-hmm. Everything, everywhere, all at once is, you know, an assault in lots of different ways. Yes. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have that sort of. I was thinking about it. In have you seen um, one of the other pictures that's that's got? I only use the word picture around Oscar time. I don't know. Um, <laughs> in one of the other films that has got a lot of uh, recognition is the Banshees of Inisherin. I haven't seen it. I've seen the trailer a lot. I'd love to see it. Yeah, um, it's, it's on Disney Plus, isn't it? But no, yeah, not yet. it's a wonderful, wonderful film. Really brilliantly done. Very, yeah, very, very kind of what you would expect from you know the guy who did In Bruges and Three Billboards and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I have seen, yeah, yeah. But uh, again, it does have, even though it has a sort of dark edge, it does feel to like a very, like a very not safe Oscar film, but you know, brilliant performances, sweeping landscape. You know, there's a bit of kind of arty nicheness going on with it. Um, uh, you know, so that yeah, so I think the other films that are nominated for Best Picture don't they feel like much more kind of traditional Oscar films. Um, mm. and uh, yeah, everything I'm just gonna call it everything from now on, <laughs> everything doesn't yes. feel that way. Um, uh, it's a so difficult title to, which, to rattle off. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I think, for me, why it feels like such a delight that it's done so well. I did think that Michelle Yeoh would get a nomination, rightly so, um, but I didn't expect it to be as, as successful overall in the nomination. So, I mean, I, I, you know. it is it is a beautifully... I mean, basically, the four main actors in it have all been nominated, haven't they? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Across yeah. the board, and, yeah. and quite rightly because they are amazing, they're all amazing. Um, so be- let's get into talking about the movie, yeah. but I also want to give people a chance to jump off because, um, we are going to talk about this movie in a spoilerific fashion. Mm-hmm. We had a little chat before the recording, we think it's the only way to do it. Um, you know, usually we have 20 minutes of spoiler free chat on one of these reviews. Um, I don't think it's possible to have a spoiler-free chat about this movie. And actually, um, I don't know what you think, Kirsty. I feel like, uh, based on my experience, this is the kind of movie where going into it knowing as little as possible is a real benefit. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. 
I went into it knowing Michelle Yeoh is in it. There's something about parallel universes, and that that's it. Yeah, I didn't know anything else. I did, um, and um, it's full of delight. But I also want to address before we go into depth on it. There was an interesting exchange on Facebook between us when we said we were doing it, and Ian said, "But is it horror?" And I, I suddenly thought, well, I guess it isn't. But we just talked about talking about it, and I, I, um, I never questioned that. I suppose I, I can't justify in any way that this is horror, but I do okay. think that it should. Well, I, I feel like it's not horror because it's it's no. not really frightening. It doesn't really draw in any of uh, any elements of horror. But I do think there's something about the movie which we can get into in spoilerific fashion, that horror fans will particularly enjoy, I think. It has a kind of edginess mm. that maybe a horror audience would, would be more comfortable with yeah. than uh, than a general audience. So I do think it's worth talking about. Also, um, uh, it, uh, I can mention this, even though I didn't know it when I was seeing it, but you know anyone who reads the cast list, this is a movie which has got Jamie Lee Curtis and James Hong in it. It's practically a John Carpenter film, um, <laughs> just for that. Um, yeah. Not in any other way, really, but, you know. And also, it's not horrific, but there's a sort of grossness to points of it. Specifically, the, uh, um, uh, the fingers that are hot dogs. Where you know it's just like it's not horrible, but um, every time that that was on, I was kind of like, "Whoa!" Uh, yeah, there's a sort of surrealist sort of body horror. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously, firmly tongue in cheek, but yeah. there's something kind of very unsettling and visceral about the hot dog yes. fingers. <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when it becomes clear that the hot dog fingers come with tomato, ketchup and mustard. I didn't mean I didn't mean to, 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 to phrase it like that, but that does seem appropriate. I thought okay, I was yeah. I, I was being purely descriptive, but um uh, anyway, yeah. so. <laughs> gosh, um, but let's move on from that. Um, okay. uh, yeah, so I I think we it's fair to say that we both love the movie, and mm-hmm. um, and anyone who's not seen it wants to experience the full delight of it, go watch it. Don't yeah. listen to this. Um, yeah. But yeah. having given that warning. We're going to talk about what is in this extraordinary movie, Kirsty. Um, I shall ask you to, to well, I shall offer you the first opportunity to just rain down your thoughts. Okay. <laughs> okay. By this movie. Uh, okay. So I think the first thing to acknowledge with this one is that I saw it in the cinema. I was lucky enough. It was one of the few films last year, and you know, kind of post-COVID, and cinemas yeah. still kind of. Um, you know, responding to and trying to recover from that, that I actually thought, no, I need to see this in the cinema. And what's mm-hmm. interesting is that I saw it in the same week um, as Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse oh, right. Madness. So, um, Which is the nearest comparison. Yeah, exactly. And it's weird that they were both out in the, you know, 
um, at the cinema. I think they were released within a week of each other as well. So, mm. um, um, this was the set. It was the second one I saw out of the two. So, um, yeah. So it was really fascinating. It's kind of just getting to the end of that and going out of the two multiverse films that I've seen this big week. Which one did I prefer? And it was undoubtedly this one, just because obviously I, you know, had a lot of love for Marvel, but I very much feel like I'm, I'm, I'm suffering from Marvel fatigue, generally sure. speaking. Um, and it, I don't, you know, up. I know obviously the, the focus is not on, on critiquing um, Doctor Strange. And I think Benedict Cumberbatch is a very fine actor, but I find him really dislikable as Stephen Strange. I just... Okay. Just not. He's not. He's not for me. Um, in that particular role. Um. So, uh, yeah. And so everything, everywhere, all at once. I was really intrigued by. It. Not. I've got. I've got to be honest. I, I know the reputation of Swiss Army Man, but I've not seen it. Um. But I did see Guns Akimbo, which was a lot of fun. Like stupid fun. Um. Right. But you know, kind of good. You know, gratuitous and violent, and you know, kind of you know um confrontational and all that kind of stuff i don't but, know but, anything about that movie uh, yeah it's all, a kind so. of like yeah daniel radcliffe basically because the conceit is that he's all, he, he he somehow finds himself in, embroiled in this sort of like dark web kind of game thing where he wakes up and he's basically had guns that's kind of you know staple to his hands so he can't remove them oh, right okay that's the case. so and then he's like there are people after him as part of the game or whatever um and it's just bonkers um uh but, but it was very very entertaining um so i was kind of keen to see it and when i saw the trailer and obviously it's a24 so it comes with all the the you know the expectations of a, an a24 movie um, so yeah, so I was kind of really excited to see it, and when I saw it in the cinema, it was just delightful, just absolutely delightful in every way possible. Um, in you know, it would it felt like you know, and as a film fan and somebody spent my entire life with film, um, it it's rare that I feel like I'm watching something that feels fresh. You know, and although sure. this is very cine literate, and there are lots of references to you know films, and you know, and it clearly kind of comes from a place that's quite sort of Matrix inspired. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it yeah, it just felt like watching something that was very very new um, and fresh and interesting. And I was reading, was reading or watching. I think it was just basically talked about it as being the first sort of properly post-internet movie okay um so yeah so for me um one of the kind of key you said it's not horror and i think that's true but um actually no it was a video essay um Hmm. which is called actually something like the terror of everything everywhere all at once something like that okay which is talking about it as it's it's really in some ways it's about the the you know the kind of internet experience of existing on social media and having access to everything in the world (laughs) and that you know so part of the the way the film does that wonderful thing of just sort of switching really quickly between aesthetics and genres and you know and it kind of it moves in this really frenetic way through sort of genre spaces that feels bit like you know kind of scrolling 
through social yeah. media. Um, and I thought, oh gosh, I hadn't, I hadn't, you know, hadn't thought about it in those terms. Um, but then connecting it to that, you know, to go back to what we, one of the things we talked about in the music episode about, you know, kind of Bo Burnham, that funny feeling, that sort of sense of sort of derealization and being kind of existing in this weird sort of digital space where nothing seems real anymore. That there's elements of that in in the film, I think. Um, okay. Yeah. So so, so I think it, it gains a sort of unsettling quality. You start to sort of see that in it, and certainly the second watch I felt was more unsettling because of that. I'm seeing that much more clearly that kind of commentary on internet culture and and that kind of stuff. So sorry, I know it was a bit rambly, but there we go. <laughs> That's my first. Well, uh, that brings me to a question which is therefore how do you especially on second viewing how did you find the ending where everything is kind of put in place uh, in a you know there's a, a traditional happy family having a, a more relaxed yeah. quote, normal life do you find that comforting or is it an illusion of comfort I, I, I mean I I still find found it comforting because I think what the one of the things that makes this movie work for me is that despite how bonkers it is in terms of its story and its visual style and its pace and the things it chucks at you as a spectator is at the heart of it it's about a mother and daughter you know mm. that that's the central kind of yes okay you've got obviously um um uh, the Michelle Yeoh character, Evelyn, and her, the, her relationship with her her husband, and that, that's kind of fraught. Oh, 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 oh sorry, I accidentally pressed the thing there. Sorry, <laughs> I was just looking at IMDb <laughs> character names and pressed on the wrong thing, and then there was noise. See, eh, in, internet problems. Um, yeah. oh, I've done it again. <laughs> Shut up, guys. I think we'll leave this in, guys. It's fitting. It's like ah, so, yeah, intrusion of the internet. Um, so. Yeah, so obviously she's, you know, she's dealing with, she's this, you know, woman that lives, you know, in this kind of internet age. And again, well, the thing that I thought was interesting is that this kind of version of her daughter, who is the antagonist, who's called, I don't want to press on IMDb again because it's going to make a noise at me. Is it Jobu? Jobu Tabaki. Yeah, yeah. She calls her Jobu Chewbacca at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of version of her daughter is, you know kind of like a representation of the uh, you know kind of digital native uh you know kind of uh what are they called now not gen- not the millennials after millennials generation whatever they are um i the, i i, I lose yeah, track yeah. is it z yeah i don't know yeah but just this you know the kind of the these people who've kind of grown up on the internet and who are used to the world moving so mm. you know so quickly and and putting so much stuff in you know or emphasis on on you know particularly devices or indeed bagels putting everything on the bagel um <laughs> uh, you know but you know the 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 sort of mental health fallout of that of not knowing how to cope with it um mm. not having the skills um and parents as well not knowing how to deal with you know kind of their children who are you know feeling very you know realized and and kind of detachment thing and not invested in the thing and you know so i think that the heart of it there is a really 
you know, kind of relatable human story that's actually really simple. You know, it's not mm. dissimilar to, you know, something like Brave, except the focus is different. But, you know, the focus here is yeah. on the mother rather than the daughter. Um, and that makes it, I think, you know, that's that's the, the kind of thing that you can kind of grab onto emotionally as you're watching, I think. Mm. So, yeah, I didn't find it an unsettling ending. I find it quite a reassuring ending. But it doesn't mean that the world that it, you know, <laughs> the world that it, uh, it it presents is any less unsettling or, mm. you know, kind of anxiety-inducing. I mean, and, and you have to remember as well that the kind of the films, you know, the major kind of thing that creates stress for our protagonist in that is the idea of of going to the tax office <laughs> yeah you know that's kind of where it all you know and that that's where it kind of all starts off and that that part of the the film presents you know the the irs lady played by um uh jamie Lee curtis as being like the big bad you know she is yeah yeah yeah, threatening and horrible because with the wonderful name of Deirdre Bo Deirdre. Yeah. Oh no, Deirdre Deirdre Bo Beardra. That's her name. Deirdre <laughs> and it's, it's wow. such a wonderful performance as well by Jamie Lee Curtis. Just such a you know, it is kind of to- totally committed to you know the kind of realness and also the kind of monstrosity of that character. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, well, I mean that's um, that at points that's a, a horror role for her, but there's also yeah. a human side to it. She obviously plays several different versions of the character. Yeah. yeah, she's always been someone who fully commits on screen. Um, I, you know, I can't think of a movie where she's phoned it in. No, but, uh, apart from maybe Halloween Re- Resurrection. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a contractual requirement um but uh yeah she it, it really gives her a wonderful character that she absolutely runs with yeah um and but... seems to be having so everybody in that movie seems to be having so much fun but oh yeah there's nobody who doesn't particular. seem yeah that there's no weak link in it i mean you know as we said that the fact that the the main actors have all been nominated for Oscars yeah. is entirely justified. Um, and then outside that core cast, you've got James Hong, who I guess his role is probably too small for him to have really been in consideration for an award, but he is giving an amazing performance. He's another person yeah. who's in who, who who's always dynamite on screen. He's in several of my favourite films. Yeah. Um and Jenny's place and, as well is. I was going to say on the, the West the, Wing. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. Sorry, right. but no, no, go on, go on. Yeah, no, Jenny Slate, who um, you know, kind of uh, yeah, American comedic actress, um, is the dog mum character in there, and oh. she's always she's in Parks and Rec, amongst other right. things. And she's always just right. you know, kind of lights up the screen. Um, you know, so it, yes. it, it yeah, yes. it's great. Um, when we were, because uh, I watched it again over the weekend, partly in preparation for this, but also because um, uh, my husband said, "Oh, I really want to watch it again." Um, and we put it up on on you know, obviously you get on Prime, you have your you know kind of screen before you press play with a little blurb, and it said it said, uh, "Unlike Lee Hero brackets Michelle Yeoh." 
um and then you know kind of goes into the narrative and I said this friend I was like unlikely hero Michelle Yeoh like have they <laughs> the person who's written this have they ever seen Michelle Yeoh in anything because <laughs> yeah I, suppose... I mean I know I know the character is but it was just yeah yeah, yeah. You're kind of going Michelle Yeoh is an unlikely hero. No, she's not. She's kick-ass yes. and badass, and I'm so delighted that this is, you know, playing to all of her kind of her strength, including her ability to, you know, kind of um, kick-ass on screen. Because she's. Well, I, I love the way that in one of the alternative realities, Evelyn is basically yeah. Michelle Yeoh. Uh, I mean, mm. you know, the, the use yeah. footage of. Uh, Michelle Yeoh on the uh, at the press launch of films like Crazy Rich Asians. I mean, there's yeah, yeah. there's a shot in it where you can see that that's where she is. It's written behind yeah. her, um, yeah. and she's a martial arts star. And she's a, a, the one thing I don't know is can Michelle Yeoh sing? Um, I don't know if that's her voice or not. In the the the, the character, yeah. the the version of Evelyn that's the singer. Um, yeah, but the the kind of film star is basically. Yeah, just Michelle Yeoh, and yeah. um, and yeah, she's absolutely wonderful. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you started from the casting uh, description of the character as of an unlikely hero, you would not go to someone like Michelle Yeoh. But but she's also an amazing actress, and mm. she can sell all that. Um, I also think that there are certain um, moments in the movie which are not. Uh, action choices uh, all that martial arts choices but probably only an actor trained in those things will do them although yeah. she's using it in the service of creating the opposite of that character so the bit right after the first kind of action sequence in the film where mm. um, uh, Alpha Waymond has just kind of um just owned everybody in the IRS office building. And then Michelle Yeoh is kind of hiding behind a desk during the whole sequence. And after yeah. uh, it's all settled down, she comes out from behind the desk in a kind of crouch and she's walking along in a squat. You know, she's she doesn't want to stand up because she doesn't right. feel safe. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, you've got to be pretty flexible to, to to walk along like that. I think most <laughs> actors would have been crawling on their hands and knees. Uh, yeah. But also, it's a great comedic choice. Mm. You know, it's kind of... It's uniquely Evelyn, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and her whole physicality as that character uh, is kind of um, hesitant and tentative and kind of withdrawn, the way she moves, the way she she, she doesn't expand out to fill the the room she kind of retreats into herself mm. which um it, it is uh, yeah is is portraying that physically it's obviously also key to the the whole kind of concept it's what yeah. allows evelyn i think to, to um to kind of broach the multiverse is yeah. that she has that kind of inner imagination um yeah I'll just say a little bit about how I saw it then. So I, I, I also saw it on the big screen. Uh, I'm, mm. I'm really glad I did because I think this is really cinematic. I, di I didn't choose to uh, go and seek it out because I didn't know much about it. I knew that it was getting a bit of buzz. Um, 
and I knew that some people were comparing it favourably with Doctor Strange, um, which I hadn't seen at the time, but I have done now. Um, but basically, a friend just said to me, do you want to go to the pictures? And that was on, so we went to see mm -hmm. that. Um, and it's an incredibly visual film. Um, you know, it's a story that's unique, but... Um, uniquely suited to the medium you know I mm. don't think it would work if it was a novel it wouldn't work as well even if, as a graphic novel it's not just the visuals it's how they move it's how they mm. cut together it's the way they're linked with with music and things like that um and for that reason I think it's a brilliant choice for best picture actually I'd be very surprised if it won mm. but there is more cinema in every minute of this film than in a lot yeah. of whole movies. Yeah. It, it, it is absolutely firing on all cylinders. I, um, I don't think it's uh, flawless, or rather it didn't entirely work for me. There are parts of it which I could criticise, mainly, and um, a few people have echoed this, I think it's a bit long... Um, and it felt yeah, weird to me I, yeah. in the cinema. Um, it didn't on the first watch for me, but on the second watch, it started to feel a bit baggy, um, right, okay. which is a shame. But I did. But on the first watch, I didn't feel that. But on the second watch, I started to feel a bit more. So I absolutely hear it, it, that as a criticism of it. It's a weird criticism. It's like you're consciously thinking this is wonderful. But there's just too much of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm losing my my, my yeah. stamina for it a little bit. When I watched it again, actually, I broke it up into bits. Yeah. Uh, okay. And yeah. So, but and also, so often I could some of those bits I watched several times, which this is a really dense movie as well in parts, mm. um, and and it really helps to be able to do that. I I think it's funny because. It's a strange thing to observe about a Best Picture nominee film, mm. but it is, it's is—it's got cult film written all over it, and cult yeah. films are, are watched in bits, and, and, uh, and they're kind of, almost by default, they're lopsided. Certain things about them get emphasised over others. Um, mm. I feel like this movie... If it were not a, a big hit and uh, an Oscar darling, it would be a cult film that would gain and gain over years. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'm still, I'm still sort of slightly, you know, I don't think I'm going to get over the shock of it being such an Oscar darling for, for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, you know, because it does feel very contrary to the, you know, as we've already said, the films that that that, that the Academy normally likes. But I think that there's maybe an element of sort of recognizing that in sort of honoring this film in this way that they're, they're doing quite a lot for you know kind of the representational politics that have dogged it in the past in terms of being mm. you know too ethnocentric and whatever so um I, you know i think i would like to hope that michelle yeo's issuing for, for for the best actress award mm. um she already picked up the golden globe for it so i'd like to think at least if nothing else it gets that but it would be I would be delighted if it got message. I honestly would. Um, because it just like I said, it just feels so original. The other thing I was thinking about it as on the second watch is just like the costume design is so mm. amazing. It's so 
well done, particularly, oh. um, you know, kind of Joe Boot, whatever her name is. <laughs> Yo, she it, like, has so many different but, costumes. Yeah. And for, uh, and you just, can't even take so them creative. all in, really. No. And then it starts to, towards the end of the film as well, when you kind of get into kind of closer towards the bagel, um, it gets really ostentatious in terms of its costume design. It really starts to remind me of... Um, um, I'm going to do... Who were we talking about? The Japanese costume designer um, for... Who did... Uh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I wonder as well. I can't remember um, like, um, if she did The Fall by Tarzan Singh. Um, oh, it has also think... this really beautiful costume design that's really ostentatious and kind of baroque and, you know, kind of slightly surrealist. Yes, it is. It's the same. Um, Ekio mm. Ishioka. Um, mm. Yeah, so that it feels, you know, costume wise, digging that back end of the film. Um, we've got those more kind of grand, you know, surrealist kind of pieces. Um, it mm. feels like it kind of echoes of that, and also architecturally, there's kind of elements of the fall, I think, going on there as well, um, which I appreciated because I, you know, as we've all been well documented, is I that that's very much kind of an aesthetic I like. So, um, mm. yeah, yeah, and then the you know, the the weird bagel. <laughs> Bit. And the rock bit, yes. the rock bit's amazing. That was a highlight. No, the rock bit is possibly my favourite part of the whole <laughs> movie, actually. And yeah. um, while I was watching that scene, the name in my mind was one that I thought I should mention to you because it's part of our shared history. Uh, Douglas Adams. Yes. Uh, um, I mean, in a way, maybe. Not uh, not so much. It doesn't so much remind me remind me of his work as the movie. Do you, do you remember yeah. the bits in the Hitchhiker's movie where they did almost for f just for five minutes? It was a bit like this movie where they were in different. Suddenly they were made. Uh, the, it was the Infinity and Probability Drive sequence, and they yeah. were like me they were knitted <laughs> figures and and yeah, they yeah, were yeah. weird. They turn into objects, and at uh, the great moment where it's like, I feel like I'm a sofa. I know how you feel. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. No, there is a very uh, Douglas Adams sort of sense of humour about this at times, undoubtedly. That kind of the absurd and the mundane, you know, yes. kind of juxtaposed beautifully. It's funny, actually, I was listening to, um, uh, I think it was Mark, one of Mark Kermode reviews, and he talked about that this is, a film that so I just need to kind of recall it correctly in my head before I speak it out loud because otherwise I think it's probably wrong. Um, he talked about how this is a film that sort of you know like The Matrix sort of relies on this idea that you know that, that all of us feel um, you know that, that you know sometimes like the, like the world is out of whack you know or there's something wrong with the world and we've got mm. you know. Um, uh, and then he, he talked about actually that kind of connection of, of like that's a trope of science fiction of you know the kind of ontological insecurity or the doubting of your world um, but how Douglas Adams you know kind of addresses that by going you know no that's everybody everybody yes, feels that's paranoid like, normal, that's paranoid. just perfectly normal paranormal <laughs> you're not special there was nothing wrong with the world it's just your paranoid um, uh, and he said that in relation to this film so I was like yes, so, you know yeah I, I remember hearing that review, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I have to say, I didn't... 
as much as I um, was enjoying the movie and amazed by it, um, maybe because I'm thick, I didn't make the connection <laughs> Sorry, between... Sorry, you are not as thick, Dan. <laughs> oh, bless, bless you, Kirsty. But, um, no, no, I don't know. I, I sometimes have my suspicions. But anyway, yeah, I didn't really get the, the, the kind of the idea of existing in the multiverse might be um uh a metaphor for kind of growing up in the post-internet world and having uh, the all, all the information and, and all the different point of views at your fingertips for your whole yeah. life um yeah but it, but what when you explain it it does seem like um a, a really sound reading of it and it makes total sense actually um i suppose maybe if i'm to defend myself uh, the thing which stopped me reading it like that is they sort of say, and I think it's maybe a mistake that they say this, um, that in in the in the universe where um, where it, Evelyn was the amazing person who invented verse jumping, yeah, she creates Joe Butapaki by encouraging her own daughter to learn about all the different universes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in a way that you know obviously supports the fact that they're an estranged mother and daughter yeah. for any any number of reasons in all the different yeah. versions of them um, but um, that's that's the one thing which is um, out of sync with the metaphor isn't it because if your child is growing up in, in the post internet age that you didn't grow up in that's not your fault as a parent you couldn't do anything about that I mean, maybe, yeah but I suppose you, you could uh, uh, you, you could say that um, as a parent you have a responsibility to try and understand your child no matter what the circumstances and and if you haven't done that then then that's an issue but I don't think it uh, well I in a way I think the movie um, is about that it's about the the gap between parent yeah. and child and allowing yeah. it to grow. Um, and and I just think that this notion that the the original Evelyn, the one who invented first jumping, kind of forced her daughter to learn this mm. stuff when she didn't want to is is just it's a it's a bit weird. It's a it's a little bit less universal yeah. than the idea of just growing apart from your child. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I sort of to be fair, that, yeah. Go on. No, I just well, well, I think got yeah. No, go on, Dan. It is only or... like two sentences of dialogue in the movie, you know, which um, it's not a major thing. They just sort of say that. Uh, I don't, in a way, I think maybe if they'd cut that bit, you wouldn't notice it not being there. Because no. I think the 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 idea that mother and daughter just grew apart and don't understand each other for whatever mm. reason is is naturally understandable but um i suppose i because of the way my brain is i kind of focused on that line and um thought that they were going to kind of go into specifics of it which the movie then doesn't really do yeah no what it doesn't right. say, i was going to say that it it you know sort of in that sort of metaphor of it being about the kind of internet and um you know like most parents you know of, 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 I suppose of Evelyn's age and, and younger grew up with some or at least you know kind of were young with some level of internet um, mm. and that sort of ideology 
do of the internet being a fantastic tool that we can use to connect with each other and learn things. And of course, whilst that's still true, it's changed. That's not all it is anymore. And as a parent, you know, certainly I'm aware of a, a daily guilt that I have that I have allowed my children too much access to mm-hmm. the internet and worry about the impact that that's having on them and will continue to have on them. So I think that may, for me, as a, you know, that that was kind of how I responded to that idea, particularly once I kind of grasped the idea of the, the kind of internet metaphor. And just to kind of, you know, obviously to kind of connect it to Rayburn before, but um, in Inside, um, he does another song, um, which, in, which is uh, called Welcome to the Internet, which yeah. is, um, again, another wonderful song, which is sort of about the kind of, the sort of snake oil sales and kind of, you know, everything, you know, roll up, roll up and, you know, kind of come inside, look at everything that we have and like everything that you can desire is all here. Um, and the kind of refrain of the of the song is um, a little bit of everything all of the time. Um, right, okay. Which is, you know, yeah. kind of obviously echoes everything everywhere all at once um, in yeah. terms of that idea of just, it's just stuff and it's all there and it's endless and it's, you know, and that, you know, as I said, it kind of mirrors that aesthetic, but it of the film, um, and that kind of possibility that we're, you know, one of the the ideas in um, everything, everywhere, all at once, of the kind of conceits of the plot is that, you know, kind of she's aware of all of these different versions of herself, these infinite versions of herself with infinite different outcomes and skills, and you know. Um, that you know that we're kind of constantly on the internet thinking about ourselves in relation to all of that stuff the possibility of the other lives we could have had and aren't mm-hmm. living and so the film sort of deals with the idea of you know kind of disappointment Evelyn is a, a really sympathetic figure and a kind of tragic figure because it's really clear that you know she's not where she wanted to be in her life in a range of ways um yeah yeah and you know it's about uh, well you know, in every kind of, way yeah in every in every way exactly and I, what yeah. i found really just delightful about the film is not that only obviously it centers a woman of color but that it centers mm. a woman of color of her age which again we don't tend to you know films often mm. ignore or at least marginalize women who are you know in their late middle age um and and Absolutely. I thought it was really, really wonderful that it sort of in a very humane way, but also in a very stylish way, which made her kind of a hero and dynamic and all that kind of stuff, talked about that, you know, the, yeah, the very human and kind of sense of being in middle age and realise that you're a bit past it and that those opportunities have largely passed you by um, and that you're also, you know, kind of, distant from your child who you're also watching potentially not live the life that you know that they are you know kind of capable of and it yeah it is really human as ridiculous as the film is at times um it is a like you know i said before it's a really human story and very relatable um and um between you and me i'm not a person who gets overly emotional at films um, my husband is though, and I know that he cried both times we watched this film because it's so <laughs> impactful. But he, you know, he wouldn't mind me sharing that because he, you know, he does respond really emotionally to films in a really beautiful and open way. Um, mm. And you know, and it does, it, you know, it affected me, but you know, it affected him particularly. He really loves those those stories that are about parent and child particularly. So, 
Yeah. He's, bless him, he's a fantastic man. Bless you. <laughs> he is. Um, uh, yes, I, uh, I, I love a movie that reminds me that I have emotions. Um, uh, it, it happens too rarely, I have to um, sadly admit. Um, I didn't really... It, this film doesn't tap into my emotions in that way quite, but I did know where it was coming from and, uh, and I did feel the sincerity of it. Um, mm. And uh, it, it makes total sense to me, but maybe it's a, a function of the, it, going back to that idea that it's just a bit too long. Um, um, I There is a sense... I can't... Uh, I mean, uh, I, maybe Ian would have something more to say about this if he was here. I don't want to be the. Um, I don't want to have the arrogance to say now. If I'd written it, it would be like this. I can't think of yeah. a way that you would improve it because it's such a um, incredible sprawling film. It's not a sprawling story in a way like you no. say. It's a very simple story, but the way that they've told it cinematically is so incredible um, yeah. and um, surprising in so many ways almost all the way through but I did have this nagging doubt that you know if the, somehow if they could have got this into 90 minutes would it have just sung as a movie mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know that you would I think I don't know I think maybe no. there are a few bits in it that that, that kind of go a bit that labour some points that are maybe some of the more obvious points and you could get rid of those and concentrate on, on the really original stuff but yeah. um, I don't know the movie well enough having only seen it twice to, to kind of point out what those would be yeah um, yeah, um, yeah but but I'm loving hearing you talk in that way about it and, uh, and I'm loving your insight into it <laughs> And it makes me want to watch the movie again, which yeah. I think I will. I I can. I mean, it doesn't. It does have that wonderful thing, and this was the most Oscar-y thing about it to me. Is unlike a lot of movies, especially genre movies, which are created according to certain conventions and things. Mm -hmm. A great deal of this movie just feels like uh, life. But, um, admittedly, a comedic uh, exaggeration of lots of things about life, like, you know, attacks and all that. But just the, the, the moments, the way people talk to each other, the randomness um, of, uh, of just the minute-to-minute -minute, uh, of, of daily existence is really well captured. I don't think there's any moment of it that feels rote or fake, really. Um, mm. And um, I can't remember where that thought was going, to be honest. <laughs> but I, I do think that because of... I, yeah, now I remember. I think because of that quality, that moment-to-moment -moment kind of truthfulness and... Um, and and in a way polish of it as a as a film. I don't, I don't want to use that word suggesting it's kind of overly stylized or anything. Mm. It's just very well done. Um, I think that that means it will be easy to revisit, possibly many many times. Yeah. Possibly 
not always you won't always watch the whole film but no. now and again sit down and and watch kind of the middle of everything ever I yeah. once I mean I, I love the kind of well I kind of love the feeling that you get in the middle of the movie of being lost in the world of, of it um, mm. where Evelyn is still trying to work out what the hell's going on yeah, and and keeps going between universes, and you and you meet Alpha Gong Gong, who is a wonderful performance by James Hong. Yeah, um, suddenly he, he's basically been napping through the whole movie, and suddenly he's kind of commander in chief. Yeah, of, of of the multiverses military forces, which is kind of wonderful. Um, and yeah, I. I mean, possibly I'm saying this because I did watch a lot of those things loads of times because I got interrupted repeatedly at kind of that moment in the film, but I found that I didn't really mind watching bits of it over and over and over again. Um, And, uh, yeah, I feel like you could lose yourself in those scenes. Yeah, Yeah. I think there are, just because of the nature of the the sort of fragmented narrative, and and but you know in the way that that's what the narrative is it's about kind of fragmentation and, and these different sort of trajectories that the film goes off in um that that it does feel like a film that you can just you know take these little bites of and like undoubtedly you know we already talked about the rock bits but so you have mm-hmm. these little kind of fav- you know favorite moments and again i just remember being just so utterly um charmed by and I think it's just me it's a weird word to use uh charmed by just the unexpectedness of certain elements of the film so um you know the wonderful wonderful kung fu fight sequence that involves <laughs> dildos it's just like yes I mean, it I felt mean, very you... it felt very Daniels you know when yes. it's like oh yeah this is this is them but it was like I've never seen this before and I may never see it again in cinema and that, you know, it was just delightful. <laughs> no, absolutely. I agree completely. Although when you mentioned that scene when we were messaging, um, I'd forgotten about that moment. And I thought when you said dildos, you were using that as a, as a metaphor for um, the sausage fingers. No. Um, but then I watched it and I was like, oh, no, there's literally a kung literally fu fight dildo. scene yeah, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. with dildos. Yeah, and then, and, and then there's, that is incredible. there's the... There's the whole bit, and I think it's really linked to that, where they're, you know, in order to, what is it, that part of the kind of the mechanics of sort of jumping to the, like, the next, you know, is that you have to have some sort of physical shock. And so there's yeah. a bit where they're, like, they're, they're all trying to... <laughs> I know which plugs. bit you're talking there about. There are butt plugs involved, because yeah. the the, um, the Jamie Lee character has some, doesn't she, as, like, as trophies. Yes. Weirdly, and so they're all trying to like with without pants on. They're those kind of henchmen are trying to, you know, land on one. <laughs> yeah, in order yeah, to is... like, yeah, which is just uh, hard. Uh, it's just... Uh, one of them has to jump through the uh, pantsless and has yeah. his genitalia, um, what's the like mosaiced out on the yeah, screen, yeah, yeah. which. Um, <laughs> Just the fact that they mosaic it out, I think, is, is entirely intentional. Because I, I imagine, I know that, uh, um, you know, if they did show that, I don't know if you can legally. It used to be leg- illegal at one point for a man's penis to be on screen. I don't think that's the case anymore. But I'm no, pretty no, sure that is, if they did yeah. show it, it, 
it would limit it would have an effect on the certificate of the movie or whatever it would limit the well, audience yeah. Yeah, but yeah. also you know you can do things with costume and lighting and stuff to hide bits of people if you need to but mm. i love the fact they just didn't do that they're just <laughs> like we'll point the camera straight up at him and just have a massive mosaic <laughs> For, uh, basically for the whole scene and then like a minute or two later there's another kung fu fight scene in which he and another character have both yeah. got things sticking out of their bums <laughs> just for the whole scene I think this is the best uh, picture of that nominee that's just it's me it's, yeah. it's absolutely brilliant it's like listen, I love like, I'm, I'm here for this I love I love this as a you know, and if it takes best picture, then that will be, you know, it'll be yes. just delightful because, like, you know, if the, it would be, be amazing. <laughs> We're going to talk about this again in a couple of months because I will say now that it definitely won't win best picture, surely. But okay. I really hope that I'm going to come to you on the podcast in two months ago. I was wrong. I was so wrong. Yeah, it would be uh, nice to be wrong about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I suspect it won't, but it would be delightful if it was. Yes, it would be amazing yeah. if it was. Um, I think it's the only film on the list of Best Picture nominees I've seen anyway. So it's not like I have anything serious to say about the others. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sheer chutzpah, for sheer cinematic ingenuity, um, for the, the sheer uniqueness of it, I think it should win Best Picture. I mean, you know, I may, the, when you look at the list of movies that have won Best Picture, for me, the usual, for me, the um, recurrent thing about them is that they seem quite boring as movies. Mm. You know, um, there's something really staid about them. Um, this is not that it's everything that cinema should be yeah uh you know um and and therefore i i can't think of a better choice for best picture mm. um yeah so, i mean, yeah. yeah for me i think it, it's that like um what was last year's best picture was um nomadland wasn't it Chloe's out oh, yes. yeah. which is beautiful and it's not like there is you know I hear what you're saying for me this is sort of kind of an earnestness about you know mm-hmm. a kind of obvious sort of worthiness or about the films that the academy tends to kind of go for where they you know can kind yes. of morally sort of slap themselves on the back and said oh well done you know <laughs> we've we've mm-hmm. honored this picture that is about something really important or you know I mean, No Man Land is stunningly beautiful and, um, you know, tells a really interesting story and is very Oscar-worthy. But I think, for, for, you know, for the Academy, it was like, well, we'll be giving our best director, not you know, kind of award to the first woman of colour to receive mm. that award. So, you know, and that's not to diminish the result of it. But I, yeah, I just, I, I, I do, we know historically that, that the Academy doesn't like for best picture it doesn't like genre and it yeah. doesn't tend to like comedy particularly mm-hmm. and i yeah so i agree i don't think it's it's actually going to win because i think it's too it's too bonkers it's too left field it's too crazy time you might win in yeah you might but, win in loads of the other categories yeah, yeah, it just yeah. won't win best picture 
no. I, I would say. No, um, I think, yeah, we're much more likely to get a kind of more serious, yeah, kind of winner, more earnest, worthy winner. Um, and then, yeah, it'll have recognition in other categories. But, mm. yeah. Uh, this seems like a point to mention, though. Uh, most of the Academy voters are actors, so they they are moved by great performances, and I, I do think the actors will their work here will be appreciated. We must mention uh, Kelly Shu, who I'm not sure I'm pronouncing her name properly, but uh, and she is the newcomer of the cast, or at least she's completely new to me. Um, mm. Her performance is stunning. I, I think she might be the best thing in the movie. Not to take anything away from anyone else especially Michelle Yale but she's absolutely great and maybe has the most difficult role in the sense that her character is young um you know the actor has to be young mm-hmm. and yet portray all these different levels yeah and and, and kind of project an a sense of ennui which is contrary to their age um and there is nothing that she does that she doesn't do perfectly and mm. also the way she sings certain of her lines i think my favorite moment is the bit where she sings the line sucked into a bagel <laughs> that was just yeah, no, absolutely. incredible yeah it's a wonderful wonderful performance and, and I, I get what you're saying i, mean, I think michelle yeah, is is fantastic and and for me you know it's you know sort of not resurrected her but sort of brought her back to sort of mainstream prominence that we you know perhaps she should have had all along um but you know but yeah the thing with with Evelyn is that she is on the whole this kind of like the things are happening to her so there's a sense of the consistency of the character she's reactive She's yeah. reacting to the, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is important because, you know, I think we, as a spectator, are aligning with her and, and we're also like, yes. oh, well, what else going on? Um, but you're right in terms of, you know, um, yeah, the kind of the, the role of Joe Boo to back. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to get um, it right. But, uh, and the daughter, on whose name escapes me, is that there is that duality in that role, which is really complex. Um, mm. and which she handles like the moments that she kind of arrives sort of fully formed as the sort of antagonist you know there's a wonderful um, playful malevolence about her which is really confident um, yeah mm. and, and I think that yes yeah, it's, it's definitely she she offers this really really compelling performance yeah so, and yeah. I'll tell you what um, I think uh just picking up on what you said about bringing back Michelle Yeoh, what's really wonderful that struck me about this movie, I, you know, I don't think she's ever gone away. She's kind of gone from strength to strength in a way, but she's gone through a transition which um, female actors in Hollywood have to go through, uh, whereas, you know, uh, wherever they start, they end up as the kind of... Uh, you know, older character actor. Yeah. So she was an action star for a long time. Then she stops stops doing the action and and does the character roles. I remember seeing uh, her in the Danny Boyle film Sunshine, which was an mm. amazing 
16 years ago. But I know. It's like, you know, she's just playing a character role in that she doesn't do any fighting. And it's like, oh, um, she's already reached this point. I mean, it's really quick as well for um, for actresses. You know, it's uh, um, it seems to be once you're over about 32, it's like, welcome to the mother roles and the grandmother yeah. roles and, you know. Yeah. But what I love about this movie is that it, you know, it draws upon the fact that she's an amazing character actress now, but it also brings back the kung fu stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, it's maybe it's time they they find. I wish they'd made that. Do you remember when the, there was the Expendables franchise where the, where they kind of reheated all the yeah, male yeah. action styles? There was talk yeah. for a while of doing a female version. Um, which would, would have possibly have been called the Expendables. Um, I don't know how serious <laughs> that was, but um, uh, and I'd, to be honest, I don't think if that was made now, it would, it would be able to afford no. Michelle Yeoh. But she would I certainly know. be the natural lead for it. Yeah, because um, she was in um, yeah, so she's in Star Trek Discovery mm-hmm. as well. So yes. you know, she's you know again as another kind of compelling and interesting performance there. Not quite, obviously, kung fu fighty, but you know, certainly a powerful female role. Uh, well, no, I've I've, I've seen the, that show, and I think she's one of the best things in it. I'm not a huge fan of the show, um, and it, and it, obviously it is an action show, um, but she doesn't do a lot of action herself, at least not not particularly more than anyone else does in in it. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, whereas this film really showcases her skills in that department, yeah. which is um, it's wonderful to see after all this time. Yeah. So, Kirsty, we're coming to the end of our time. So, yes. um, I um, I think I shall offer you the last word if you'd like it. Is there anything you'd like to say about this movie that we've not covered so far? I think much like the multiverse <laughs> there are endless ways of talking about this movie um mm. and i don't think we've probably done it justice in the time that we have had um yeah. and yeah I, I mean you know it's such a fun interesting but if you look at it through the right lens unsettling <laughs> movie mm. um that you know i'm really excited to see what the Daniels write and direct next that'll be interesting um, and I you know will be firmly rooting for its Oscar success obviously even though it might not necessarily get that but yeah that's that's all I want to say and also uh-huh. everything everything is on the bagel everything everything is on, on the, the bagel on the bagel I'd just like to say that as a Daniel myself, I do appreciate the fact that these two directors called Daniel just called themselves Daniels. Um, <laughs> well, you know, the, the, to fully credit them, it's it's Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiners, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. I, I think the poster set a film by Daniels, which was yeah. just lovely to see. Even though it does kind of hint at, at the return from the beyond the grave of uh, of. A, of certain famous British TV magician. It's not him. 
it's no. a different Daniels. Um, no, although I hope the next film also includes him because it would have been nice <laughs> to have him, that, you know, as a sort of Daniels. Movie, just like a walk-on cameo. Oh, look, in a film Daniel by Rogers. Daniels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's been he's been in their previous two, so there's no, you know, um, yes, um, trying all the Daniels in in Daniels films. <laughs> yes, I I didn't Daniel um, Craig. I didn't realize. <laughs> How many other Daniels can we come up with apart from you? The Daniels verse. Uh, um, Daniel yeah, so. Dan Stevens. Oh, that was the other thing. Yeah. Actually, I wanted to say earlier. You talk about sorry, sorry. This is like they're getting nebulous thoughts of, that connected to this movie. That that you you were saying before about stylistically how you didn't think it was similar to anything. And actually, one of the things that I felt like it was similar to is um, Legion. In terms of its of the bonkers, TV show. yeah, it's bonkers styling felt at times quite Legion-esque although, you know, Legion maybe on a bit of a bigger budget with maybe a bit more clarity. Okay. Um, well, well, that's an interesting point and also um, uh, something else uh, I thought might be a good thing to end on is having just listened to a very interesting interview with the directors um, on a podcast. Um, let me just bring up the title. Um... No, I've already minimised it. Oh, well. Oh, dear. Because um, uh, we wouldn't uh, actually podca- recommend another, another podcast on this program. Anyway. <laughs> no, no. But uh, anyway, there's a, there's a very interesting interview with the directors on a podcast about screenwriting, which Ian pointed us towards. And I will link to it in the show notes. But one of the things that I say about it is that they made this movie in eight weeks, which I think is incredible. Absolutely wow, no, that incredible. is. That, um, that's really, I mean, if you think about it from a production perspective, though, there aren't a huge amount of locations. Principally, it's around two locations, principally. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, from it, that perspective, it's, it's a bit easy to handle. But, yeah, I mean, but, but I mean, if you're doing that kind of choreography and those kind of set pieces, that's, that's eight weeks, is, that's, that's, that's pretty good going. And it wasn't made for a huge amount of money either, was it? It was like 25 million. Right. So not um, not massive budget either. Yeah. I think on paper it looks like your normal indie movie, but when you've got so many million cutaways, um, yeah. to different universes and things, it doesn't. None of it feels uh, like they're overshooting or overstretching no. um, their resources. Um, it's it's all there, and it's it the idea of of pulling all that together in eight, eight weeks is uh, mind bending to me. So. It's an incredible um, logistical achievement as well, yeah. I think, the movie. So, right, Kirsty, well, on that note then, we shall say farewell for another period of time. Thank you so much for an, another fascinating discussion, as always. Dear listener, thank you for listening to us. We hope you found it um, enjoyable and interesting. We shall be back. I know not what way we shall be back in. I would like to say that sentence again in a way that made it elegant, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. We love you very much. Bye-bye. Goodbye. (laughs) You have been listening to And Now the Podcast Starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by Kirsty Warrow and T.D. Velasquez. Special thanks 
to Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages at andnowpod or at Lee Cushing Pod. Follow us on Twitter at And Now Podcast or at Lee Cushing Podcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash And Now Podcast. And now the podcast stops.